Hey, soccer fans and MLS fans, this is Nick back for Sons of a Pitch, Soccer Central, and we are live. That's right, no pre-recorded episode tonight, thanks to a big fat Greek wedding I was at last night. Congratulations again, Manoli and Stacy. cheers to you. And as this is a live, I have my glass full. We are talking all things MLS Week 11, May 14th and 15th. Is Toronto in trouble? Cincinnati is streaking, a touchdown for the Timbers, and a whole lot more. So smash that like button, smash that subscribe button, get your super chats ready, because we're going to hit that intro and get into it. Hey, soccer fans. Once again, this is Nick for Sons of a Pitch Soccer Central. Got to give a big thanks to my good friend and founder of this channel, Mike. Keep doing what you're doing, brother. I know you are working hard on bringing all sorts of new content and stuff to the show. And so that's why I need to remind all of you viewers and all of you listeners, whether you're on YouTube or on the podcast, wherever you get your podcasts, that you make sure that you follow along, like, subscribe, turn on those notifications, definitely get the paid subscription to Sons of a Pitch Soccer Central because you will get all sorts of exclusive wagering, gambling, betting, strategic investing content that Mike has behind his paywall. Obviously, it's worth it. You're going to make the money back when you hit on all his picks. And on top of it, you get all sorts of discounts on our swag, like this fantastic shirt that I got on here. You also get your name scrolling down on the bottom, a little public recognition for you, absolutely, as well as all the cool emojis in the chat. So with that being said, everyone, make sure that you like, subscribe, and share. You can follow us along on Twitter at SOP Soccer. You can follow me personally at Wife Kids House on Twitter, or go find my soccer channel on YouTube, Wife Children House. Best way to do it is to search for Chicago Fire Recap Backdraft, where I take a look at the statistics of every Chicago Fire game. And let me tell you all, it is great back to be live because we get the live comments. Mounty, great to see you. Red Bull Insider RBI, what up? Everything is good here. And Neely W, thank you for joining us. And Mounty, happy Montreal is doing insanely great. We're going to touch on that because as I tweeted out over the weekend, this doesn't look like any Eastern Conference standings that I can remember in recent history. So we're going to take a look at all of that. And of course, Connor McCabe joining us from the great state of Ohio. Connor, great to see you, my friend. We're going to talk a little Columbus crew as well. Not the result you wanted, but let's get into the weekend recaps. And the first game that we have to recap is Toronto versus Orlando City. And I said it in my rundown here, is Toronto in trouble? They lose one nothing to Orlando City at BMO Field at the dying breath there while Smith gets the 90-plus-2 finish. Now, Toronto, statistically speaking, had a fairly decent game, right? Possession was about split, had a few shots, you know, passing was all right. And if we kind of work our way down the statistics here, you'll see that they weren't committing a lot of fouls. And let's take a look at their expected goals on this one as well to see how their offense was. Offense, less than one expected goal. But I'm going to ask you all here, is Toronto in trouble, right? Bradley gets carded for time-wasting. TFC's current record, three wins, seven losses, two draws. 
they're on a five-game losing streak. They've had lapses mentally and tactically. And I listened to goalkeeper Alex Bono's post-game. Bono? Bono? I still don't know what it is. Mike, I need you to figure this out for me, right? I've listened to his post-game, and it was a lot of just canned responses. You know, oh, we got to move on and regroup for the next one. Um, you know, we got lots of games left. We need guys to step up. Just very canned, right? Like, it was kind of hard to listen to. It was a little depressing. I'll be honest with you. Plus, Toronto's got some injury problems. Only five players have started 11 or 12 games. Again, we're, we're 12 games into the season for a lot of these teams. Um, and that is goalkeeper Alex Bono, Bradley, Jimenez, Pizuelo, Petrasso. And uh, five more have 10 or 11 starts. So, they, they only have a handful of guys who are playing the bulk of their games. TFC's 12th in the table. They got 16 goals for 23 goals against. So they're not scoring. They're leaking goals. Not a good look. Now, the general consensus among fans in the offseason was, hey, let's just tread water until Insigne comes. Let's be around that playoff line. And then Insigne will come in the summer window, and we can always and we can roll forward with it. But I'm not sure that that is going to be enough. And yes, I do think Toronto is in trouble. But is it time to panic? No. And, and let me tell you why it's not time to panic. First of all, they still have four games left against Chicago and Miami, the only two teams worse than them in the Eastern Conference. Also, the Eastern Conference is so tight on points. Like, we're going to look at the standings at the end of the show. It is so tight on points. TFC is only four points off the playoff line as we hear, are here a third of the way through the season. And they are nine points from first place <clears throat> Montreal. Anyway, I know that hurts to hear uh, TFC fans. But from first place Montreal to last place Chicago in the East, it's only 10 points. Only 10 points. So there is a lot for TFC to play for still. I wouldn't panic. But they got to get a lot of things going in the right direction. And we got a few comments on this like, Mounty here was one of the few who kept calm and was confident in Nancy looking over at Montreal. Hopefully TFC fans can learn from that as well. Now talk NYCFC. Ah, Toronto, the gift that keeps on giving three points to the other teams. Well said, talk NYCFC. And yes, uh, RBI, I think it is Bono. Um, unlike the U2 singer, the Irish singer Bono, either way. RBI also says a great win for Orlando. And we got a new wise man, man. Great to hear from you. And we suck. All we can score is two goals a match. Well, all right, Anu. Um, <laughs> you know, I think you're thinking more of Atlanta. But you know what? We'll get into the Atlanta highlight reel at, towards the end of the game. And Dan Geringer, great to see you, man. Time for recap and stats. You know it. That's what we like to do. Anyway, just uh, another slave to the grind. Absolutely. This is my escape. This is my drink. This is my talk soccer. This is my get to connect with some of the best fans on social media. So cheers to you all as we continue rolling through the recap. Oh, yeah. Jack and Coke. Anyway, before we move on, I got to tell you, we need to we need to mention that with this win, Orlando City now sits second place in the East, tied with Montreal and Philly on 20 points each. They haven't played perfectly, and they have a lot of reason to improve, uh, a lot of ways to improve, but you can't argue with results. Can't argue with results. All right, let's keep this recap rolling. Feel free to keep the comments going, talking your TFC, but I got a job to cover a little bit of everything tonight, and oh my goodness, do we got to cover a little bit of Colorado's 2-0 victory 
over LAFC. Zardis and Rubio, two first-half penalty kicks, put them over the top against one of the Western Conference leaders. Now, for this one, I want to focus on the Rapids. I mean, we all know how good LAFC is. They're top of the standings. Like, they have done so much right this season. They're kind of even better than last season. But I want to focus on Colorado here because I really think they're still frauds. I don't think this is this is a real the real Colorado Rapids team here. This is a great win for them. Don't get me wrong. It's a signature win for Colorado. Manager Robin Frazier, even after the game, says, I am so effing proud of this. But I still think they're frauds. And, and let me let me run through the stats and, and we'll show you why. Look, 61% possession seeded to LAFC. Is that how they want to play? Is that how you're going to win playoff games? Is that how you're going to win trophies? Seeding possession at home? Probably not. Decently well in the shot possession, but they had so few passes and a poor, poor passing accuracy. It tells me that they're not going to be able to do well, that they had to sit back and counterattack against this LAFC team. They had to resort to kind of almost gimmicky tricks in their tactics. Hey, it worked. I'm going to give them credit for three points, but I don't think this is going to be sustainable throughout the season or come playoff time. Now let's take a quick look here at some of the other offensive numbers. If you check out their passing numbers here as well, and if you check out the possession intervals, nearly all LAFC, but the expected goals, Colorado 3.2 expected goals. So they underperform their expected goals. LAFC cannot find the back of the net. So again, we're focusing on Colorado here. We're a third of the way through the season. Colorado has not won a road game. To be fair, they have not lost at home and are averaging 1.36 points per game. Not goals per game, but points per game for the standings. If you look over the last several seasons, that 1.36-ish points per game number is like right at the playoff line. So Colorado might be feeling really good that they just beat an excellent LAFC team, but I don't think they're for real. And that comes with apologies to our good friend of the show and Rapids fan, Isaiah Paskin. So anyway, that's my little spiel soapbox on Colorado. Let me take a quick look and see what we got in the comments section here. Um, Colorado Rapids, Colorado Rapids took them two pens to win. You're absolutely right. They're kind of getting it the cheap way. And yes, talk NYCFC. I did get your picks. We're going to put those up when we get to the NYCFC game. Um, so that is, again, Colorado. I wouldn't get too high on yourselves right now if you're a Rapids fan. But anyway, we're going to keep it rolling here. We're already about 10 minutes into this recap, and we got a lot of soccer to talk, everybody. So Charlotte versus Montreal, talking about the Eastern Conference leaders, Club de Foot Montreal, CF Montreal, whatever they're calling themselves now and whatever their new logo is going to be later. Jordi Mihailovic and Alistair Johnson doing it for the Canadians there. Mihailovic in the 45th minute, Johnson in the 67th. Jordi Mihailovic, dark horse MVP candidate, starting to become much more of a front-runner. MVP candidate here. Now, if you look at the possession, Montreal actually had the disadvantage uh, and only three shots on goal. Usually you're not going to see two goals off of three shots on target, but they were efficient in this game. Um, you can look at the passing numbers. Man, these teams were knocking the ball around this match. Additionally, thankfully, no red cards, but five yellows continuing that trend around MLS. Let's take a look at some of the shooting. As you can see, Montreal getting into the box. Charlotte, not as many shots. And who is this? Look at Swiderski. He's trying to get back into his goal-scoring form. He has dropped off a little bit since coming out hot the first few games for Charlotte. So he has been trying, trying to get these shots. Look, you can see him shooting from, you know, however many yards out there. 
and then getting one inside the box late on. So if he can get going again, Charlotte will probably regain some of that winning form. Uh, but otherwise, they are struggling to find offense if he's not scoring. You can see the possession intervals and looking at the expected goals, Charlotte 1.1, Montreal 1.3. So good for Montreal, outperforming their expected goals. Now, do, do you hear that? MVP, MVP, MVP Jordi Mihailovic. Now, the big story is, is he going to get called up to the U.S. men's national team and play in striker number nine? to be determined. I don't believe it. Not that he's not deserving. I just don't think Greg is going to bring in too many people who haven't already been in camp and try and change the chemistry as we get ready for the World Cup. But the real question for Montreal is, can they sustain what they've been doing? And I really think they can. And that's the scary part for the rest of the teams in the East, right? They've been building towards this the last few years. They're lucky that with Thierry Henry's departure, Wilfred Nancy was able to step up, right? He fit right in. They've hit on their MLS transfers, Mihailovic, Kyoto, Kamara, Miller, they, they've had good international moves when Yama, Camacho, and Brezza, is, he's having an okay season in goal, right? Nothing, nothing to write home about, but nothing where you're immediately scrambling and saying, we just need to fix this. So they have done everything. Where I'm concerned with Montreal, even though I think they can sustain it, they only have a plus three goal differential. They're allowing 1.73 goals per game, but they're scoring about two. So they're just getting ahead of what they're letting in, and so that is really helping them along. And then we got a comment here from Red Bull Insider. Charlotte with another loss. Montreal continued to keep up their insane form, and Jordy is a baller. Just putting it simple, short and sweet. You are right, talk NYCFC. Uh, amazing Kook 143. Dang, I should have taken pictures when I was there. What game was that, man? Send, let us know. Let us know where you're at, who you're a fan of. And if you are at a game, and let me know if it is USL, if it's MLS, if it's local rec league, send some pictures over to sons of a pitch soccer at gmail.com. And we will try to feature some of that on our next broadcast. Absolutely. And look who just joins us. Jade Jardim. Great to see you, man. Cheers to you. The sips for you. Better late than never. And yes, you did absolutely come on the worst time. We just finished up talking about why Toronto should be worried but not panic. And now, of course, we're praising first place Montreal. Enjoy it, Jay. Breathe it in. Enjoy it. Anyway, we're going to move on to our next game's recap here. Here we go. NYC 2-0 to Columbus. And as promised, we had one of our loyal fans and friends of the show. Here we go. Showing up to the game, that boy Davey, you can follow him on Twitter at D-A-T-B-O-I-D-A-V-I, that boy Davey. And again, we got that in the comments section going as well. Talk NYCFC. There you go, my friend. You know what? Great picture. That's awesome that you guys were right there, pitch level. Like, that's so cool. So who's in the picture with you, man? I didn't know if he was some uh, NYCFC uh executive or club friend or just a friend of yours or you know got the cool jerseys going on but this is awesome this just is another stadium on the list where we've got sop fans and gear and swag and i hope you subscribe man i hope you subscribe dso <laughs> and who Weissman says it dso there we go um subscribe with the paid subscription get the discount on the swag and that goes for anyone if you start sending us pictures of you in Sons of a Pitch soccer swag at various soccer stadiums around the country, even around the world, 
Um, I think Mike might be able to hook you up with a little bit of a discount or something. So, so keep it going. Jay, what's up, Mike? I think you told you the snowflakes would be good. Yep, absolutely. There we go. His friend Corey from MLS Discord. Fantastic. And we even got Jose joining us from Brazil. Great to see you, man. There actually there was a, a Brazilian that was putting up some numbers uh, for, gosh, I can't even think of the team it was. But we're going to get to that in the recap. Don't worry. So anyway, everybody, we're going to get right back to all of our recaps. DSO, thanks again for the photo. Let me go ahead and get some of these comments off. And we will be getting back to NYC 2 nothing over Columbus. And it was a solid performance by New York City, Talos Magno and Castellanos with their goals. Castellanos with another beautiful run to get behind the defense. And remind everyone that he's he's the defending Golden Boot winner here. Like, you probably should mark him when you play against him. Anyway, we're looking at some of the possession stats here. Excellent passing by both teams. Uh, just Columbus probably couldn't find it in the final third would be my guess. Now, let's, let's keep scrolling down and see if that is the case. Final third, 69% passing completion for Columbus. Yep, that's it. Could not get that final pass. Now, I think NYCFC have scored four goals in the first 15 minutes of games this year and six goals in the last 15 minutes of games this year. They've scored 21 goals on the season. So half of their goals are coming in the opening or closing minutes of every game. To me, that's just got to be just horrible to defend if you're an opposing team because you got to be ready to go 110% from the opening whistle all the way to the closing whistle. From a New York City perspective, that's that city football group mentality. They have a specific style, a way they want to play, possession-based. There is no we're up two goals, let's hang back. They will play the same attacking style, the same possession-based style from opening whistle, from kickoff to close, right, to the end of the game. And that is why they're scoring goals throughout the entire match. There's no late game pushes. There's no, you know, comeback type of goals, things like that for them. Speaking of, let's take a look at the XG, 2.7 for NYC and only 0.6 for the crew. So Connor, guys, I know Connor McCabe, he was in the chat earlier. He definitely has all things crew covered. Go check out his YouTube channel for a lot more details there. Um, but we're going to go ahead and uh, keep moving on, right? Nice work, NYCFC. Columbus, time to get back on track. You had a good little stretch there, a little, little post-Jassy Zardis bump, but now you got to get back on track, Columbus. Let's go. Now the next game we have a crazy performance from San Jose and Vancouver. And I'm just going to throw a few comments up here from the last one, right? Um, three to three, Vancouver and San Jose – who would have thought that you had all this, like all this ridiculous goal scoring capability from a couple of the bottom teams? Um, and hey, talk NYCFC. I saw uh, an Instagram video. I think it's the same guy where he was like crawling between a dude's legs and got his shoe stolen. I think that might be the uh, the guy you were talking about. Hey, Rocky's joining us. Thanks, man. You're absolutely right. It is Nathan Focaccia from Brazil had the debut for Portland. Um, now, let's get back. San Jose, Vancouver. I did not expect six goals out of this game. And considering San Jose had 60% of the possession, I did not expect three goals from Vancouver. But here it is. Two teams who are just struggling to find points, right? And they end up with a 3-3 draw. Now, weren't we supposed to stop seeing this insanity after Matias Almeida leaves Vancouver? I don't know. I'm confused. All Everything San Jose confuses me. 
And here's the other thing. Vancouver was only averaging one goal per game coming into this. And yet somehow they end up with three. And look at, look at where these shots are coming from, right? They are all inside the box. Ebo Bise gets rolling. He is back towards the top of the golden boot race uh, in uh, MLS here. Not the top, but he's back in the conversation. As well as there's a lot of talk about him maybe getting looked at for USMNT. Probably not, but it's nice to see a domestic striker finding the back of the net once again. So there's Vancouver. There's San Jose. If anything, the games are still entertaining between these two teams. Now let's keep it on rolling here. Philadelphia and New York. This was really kind of a, a big build game because you had two of the top teams in the East. I think they were one and two in the East coming into this weekend. And to see them come together, we saw them play last season. It was either in the playoffs or late in the season where it was just like a car wreck, man. Those midfielders were just smashing each other with press and counter press and re counter press. And it was maybe not the most beautiful, aesthetically pleasing game to watch, but it was entertaining. Uh, we got a similar one here where we have Gazdag and Lukinia scoring the stars, the star strikers for each team, finding the back of the net and carrying them. Um, but again, I certainly hope you guys didn't expect a lot of goals in this game. Uh, Mike, did, did you pick the under when you did it? Did, did you pick uh, a low-scoring affair, a draw, anything like that? Anyway, I sure hope you did. Now, it wasn't exactly a real clean game from either team. And let's take a look at the stats and take a look at their passing statistics here. Not exactly a real clean game. 77% passing for Philly, 60% passing for New York. So a lot of turnovers. Um, you're, you're seeing the dual numbers are insanely high, but that's kind of typical for the Red Bulls, right? A lot of tackles, a lot of clearances. Um, so not a cleanest game. Again, not aesthetically pleasing, but in the end, probably a deserved 1-1 draw for these two teams who are fighting for the top of the East again, who are trying to knock Montreal off their perch come next week's games. All right. As we can see, the XGs, it bore out about for our Red Bull. Philly should have had at least another one there. Now, the next game, we have Chicago and Cincinnati. Chicago with the 2-1 loss at home to a streaking FC Cincinnati. They're on a five-game win streak now. Guys, this ain't your grandmother's Cincinnati. Grandmother, shoot, this isn't my Cincinnati from two seasons ago, right? Like, Cincinnati's on a five-game win streak, and they go against a struggling New England team next week. So they could have a six-game win streak. This, or, or no, I'm sorry, four-game that could go to five-game. Could go to five games. They're sitting on a four-game win streak. That's that's just how confused I am, the fact that Cincinnati is playing so well. But anyway, fans of the show, if you would like to hear the full recap of Chicago and Cincinnati, make sure you go subscribe to our podcast wherever your podcasts uh, are provided, whether it be Apple, Google, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever you're at, we're on there. We have a good friend of the show, longtime supporter of us, longtime follower of the Chicago Fire. John Donovan gives you his recap of the Chicago Fire and uh, lately he's given a little bit of a look ahead as well. So make sure that you go and subscribe there. So on the podcast side of things, you're going to hear a word from our sponsor as well as the recap from John Donovan. But on the YouTube side, I'm going to try and catch up on a few comments. We're going to take a short break. So Go empty the bladder, refill your drink, get a little stretch break. We're going to be back in just under a minute, so stay tuned. This MLS Weekly Recap is sponsored by Skira. 
Icelandic spring water available at your local 7-Eleven. Icelandic for clear ski water comes from a spring in a nature preserve in Iceland with naturally low mineral content. This isn't your average water. Clearly, yes, pun intended, it's one of the best. Get some Skira today at your local 7-Eleven. And now it's time for our weekly Chicago Fire Update brought to you by John Donovan. Take it away, John. Nick, John Donovan here covering the Chicago Fire and the MLS. A real interesting game this weekend. A, uh, the Fire unfortunately lost 2-1. to one. Uh, They should have taken this game. They were dominating this game but that's what it takes when you when you when you make a dumb play like Sejos did with Slonina this was a game that um, really shows Slonina's youth I mean he's a fabulous athlete he's uh, not even 18 yet he's turning 18 I think this week or next week but like all athletes they need time to develop and and this game showed really front up that we might have Slonina here for a bit longer than we were all talking about. Um, he made a first error was uh, Shijos played the ball back to him off his head. Unfortunately, Slonina came out for the ball, so it went right over his head into the goal. So one nothing, but the fire came back and scored a real nice, nice score. Um, thought the game was going to you know, it was a 1-1 game, and then literally at the end of the game, that sneaky little son of a gun, Lucas Acosta. I mean, he's been sneaking around this league since the days when he scored big goals with Rooney. Um, the ball was played. They fire were playing everybody up trying to win the game, and I don't blame Ezra for that. I mean, he had everybody up. Sejos was playing forward, everybody up, but the ball clip free um, and Slonina took his time to clear the ball. By the time he got it, he just barely pushed it out of the way. And two plays later and uh, Lucas Acosta scores on him. So it's a two, one game. I, I tell you the, the, a lot of guys stepped up in this game. I was, you know, we've all been waiting for, for Shakira to start being the guy that we thought he could be um, at least on the corner kicks. He, he was whipping those balls in. It was one ball that Duran. Finally, we something from our, from our center forward from Colombia. Duran uh, played off one of the Cincinnati players and got his head on the ball and went in. Um, you know, I think they had, the fire had 18 corner kicks. Incredible. And, and something else that the fire did not have, they did not have a yellow card, which... Um, you know, I, I saw Navarro ready to go to the ref one time during the game, and he just walked away. He got the message from uh, from Ezra. So, you know, the Fire are at least four or five games out of the playoffs right now. I hope uh, it seems like they, you know, with a little bit of decent luck, I mean, they go on a three three-game road trick, and they start playing Wednesdays. They play the Red Bulls this Wednesday, which – is always tough, especially when as the Red Bulls press, they can press the daylights out of out of guys. Now, who did not play in this game was Navarro. Um, he apparently is hurt, so they had Bornstein back there, who's a steady player. You know what you're going to get. Um, they played Mueller up front, which he had a good game. The guy is an exciting player, but they didn't play Torres. 
Um, I was somewhat surprised at Ezra's starting lineup. I mean, the team is struggling to score, and we've been waiting for Torres. He scored against Atlas last week to put Atlas in the Mexican playoffs, but he played Herbers, who has been really out for, what, five weeks? Um, I know he was back a little bit the previous game, but Herbers is one of the best substitutes off the bench in the league, but he is not a starter. I it Really, I have to question why didn't he play Torres right from the beginning of the game? He brought him in towards the end of the game, which, you know, he, he looks good. He, he's obviously in shape. So um, next game, I, I, I hesitate to say start Duran, but the kid's fast. He's wily. Duran, Mueller, and, um, and Torres would be something that I think would make New York a little bit nervous. Uh, they've dealt with Chabilco. He's not back still. I guess it's his back. But um, And even offer. Um, and I'm not saying that that often. He did not play a bad game. None of the fire played a bad game. They, they played a good game. The flow was good. Um, one team was hot, then the other team was hot. But at the end, the fire, I think they dominated possession. They definitely dominated corner kicks. It was just two mistakes that uh, lost them the game. So that's it, Nick. Next week, this Wednesday, they play in New York against the Red Bulls, who are who are doing very well this season. Um, their pressing would make me nervous if I'm a cornerback or if I'm a fullback, one of those left or right fullbacks. They are on them. So, Nick, look forward to your show. Have a good day. Thanks for that Chicago Fire update, John. We'll talk to you next week. All right, soccer fans and SO peeps, we are back. Just wanted to catch up on a few comments. First of all, Rocky, thank you for the pronunciation guide. Fogasa, my Portuguese is, you know, I don't have any Portuguese. That's it. I can't even try to fake it. That's the one language I can't fake. I can stumble through French. I can fake my way through Greek. Portuguese, nope, can't do it. So thank you, Rocky. And make sure you go check out Rocky on Instagram at Talking to Woods for all things Portland Timbers. Red Bull Insider, that draw to Philly really hurt us. The Union dominated, but we were able to tie the game and hold on for a draw. Hopefully we can bounce back versus Chicago. Well, you probably could, the way Chicago's been playing. Um, that's about it. And as far as what Talk NYCFC said about the drunken fight between a Columbus fan and NYCFC fan, two lads that think they're tough, have a scrap, move on. And he's the one that took that video. That's hysterical, man. I'm glad you shared that. It was funny. The guy looks stunned. All of a sudden he gets up and he's like, where's my shoe? I'm missing a shoe and my scarf. It was hilarious. Dan Geringer. Yeah, that Cincy win streak came out of the bluey. Buoy. Damn it. Blue. <laughs> there you go, man. Maybe I'm not the only one having a drink tonight, especially after slaving, being a slave to the grind, right? Enjoy your evening. But yeah, that Cincy win streak did come out of the blue. It's great what they've been able to do and turn things around culturally uh, within the club, in the locker room, and a product on the field. Uh, but yeah, it's great to see Cincy playing well. Makes me think that our hometown out here, the Chicago Fire, could maybe turn things around. Maybe. Also along the Cincinnati lines, Red Bull Insider says, is Cincy good now or is the Eastern Conference just terrible? I don't think the Eastern Conference is terrible. I think there's probably a lot more parity in the East than in the West. Um, and exactly as, as Jay puts it, Cincy ain't good. They just played some bad teams, TFC twice. <sighs> Got to be hard to admit, Jay, but that's the first step to moving on, right? 
All right. Mike MX92, great to have you with us on the chat. Nice to have you asking the question, any dark horses yet? I imagine you're talking about dark horses to, to win MLS Cup, maybe get some hardware elsewhere. I got to say, as far as dark horses, Montreal, right? Nobody expected them to be atop of the East at any point in the season, especially this early on. So real dark horse, yeah, maybe Cincy can, can catch a little fire and make a playoff run. Um, I would almost have to throw Red Bull in as a dark horse since they have always seemed to come up short despite playing well. And now if I look out in the Western Conference, maybe Portland is a bit of a dark horse, and, and we're going to get to them in a little bit because I had written them off, and they come back with a strong performance. So just a few uh, takes of mine there when it comes to your question of who would be a dark horse to win the Cup. Now let's keep it rolling here for the second half of our schedule. Miami drawing D.C. United. 2-2 down in Miami at the Drive Pink Stadium. Uh, I always found it funny why they named it the Drive Pink Stadium, but apparently that's that's the corporate sponsor, Drive Pink, right? It's actually the company, and, and they're promoting uh, a lot of different causes with the Drive Pink Stadium and that program. So a little, little interesting bit down there in Miami. Um, but anyway, you have Campania and Lowe scoring in the 31st and 45th minutes for the Herons. And then Fountas and Kamara get the equalizing goals for DC United. Uh, also of note, Chris Durkin gets a red card for DC. There are a handful of red cards this week in the MLS. A couple, um, So teams are going to have to start building that depth. And this is kind of like the domino effect, right? The MLS has put a big focus on yellow cards, intentional fouls, breaking up counterattacking opportunities. So they're also going to see a lot more red cards. Plus, if, you're, if you watch the Chicago Fire it, and like TFC this week with Bradley, right? Time-wasting, um, interference, all this kind of thing. They're getting cheap yellow cards for. Then they get an actual yellow card. So there's a lot of red cards. So if the league is going to emphasize yellow cards, red cards, and therefore players' suspensions, they really do need to address being able to have these teams get some more depth on the roster, loosening the purse strings a little bit, maybe allowing for another DP. No, that'd be too much to ask. But definitely maybe expanding the salary cap or something like that in the short term. But anyway, we're going to look at Miami DC now. 2-2 game, possession 57-43-ish in favor of Miami. Uh, both teams with about 10 shots, uh, 5 on goal for DC, 7 for Miami. Decent passing game for Miami, not as much for DC United. But you know what? Without Paul Ariel on the wing, I think they're still kind of adjusting to his absence. He's down in Dallas, as we all know. Just a couple of offsides, but a lot of duels in this game. Not bad, not bad. Um, three yellows and a red, as we had said earlier. Now let's take a look at the shot map. Not a lot coming in here for DC. Fontes, though, getting in, in the box. He had four shots, one going in the back of the net. So great to see him getting into some dangerous areas. And then finally, let's take a look at the expected goals. Miami, 0.8, and DC with 1.1. So both teams really outperforming their expected goals on this one, taking full advantage of the opportunities that they were given to them. Let's see, what do I got in my notes here? Solid result. DC tries to remain in the playoff picture, trying to remain relevant. And Miami is trying to not have their first trophy be a wooden spoon. So that is, those are my notes on this game here. The one other thing, I got to say it. You guys know me. I'm Greek. I got to support my brother here. Taxi Fontes, Taxi Archis Fontes of DC United scores again. So listen to these numbers of his. He's, he's a 26-year-old striker, comes over. Five goals, one assist in only 336 minutes 
of play. So he is tallying a goal about every, what is that, like hour, hour plus? Not bad. Not bad for a forward. And you slip in Kamara with him and you keep feeding him the ball, he's going to probably get a few more for you. So I got to give credit where credit is due. That's an excellent finding by DC United scouting department there. Especially I'm like, guys, come on, let's uh, let's bring some more people over from Greece and, and Cyprus, right? That'd be awesome. Let's see a few of the comments over here on Miami. Um, Red Bull Insider says, DC, you have to beat Miami. Mike MX92, Miami needs to work on their defense. They tried in the offseason. They brought over DeAndre Yedlin and Damian Lowe from Jamaica. So they tried. Maybe they just need to gel a little bit more. New Wiseman says Inner Miami has some violent fans. And uh, yeah, and he says two DC fans got beat up and their car tires got slashed. So I'm wondering if the league's going to look into that. I wonder if there's going to be any sanctions against Miami, depending on if that is true or not, because obviously they want to make sure the fans are safe wherever they are in the stadium, in the concession line, or even in the parking lot. That's the priority, right? Um, unfortunately, we're seeing this a lot more in pro sports. You see a lot of it in baseball, but unfortunately now it's spilling over into soccer. Just when you think you're getting some of the, the hooliganism, if you want to call it under control, then you see this stuff on the parking lot. But anyway, we're going to keep moving on. Brother BK Al Contreras, our favorite sport entertainment guy. He has joined up. Hey, guys, and SOP fam. Hey, Brother BKL, great to have you with us, man. Great to be tweeting with you as well over the course of the week and weekend. All right, we are going to keep this show rolling because if there's anything I hate, it's dead air and it's slow pace, especially on the soccer field, right? Can't have slow pace. Oh, and look, we get to the Nashville game as I say that. Amazing. Houston wins 2-0 at home against Nashville. We get goals from Karaskia and Quintero who gets his from the spot. Unfortunately, Lundqvist with the 35-minute red card, 35th-minute red card there. So to me, that that is so telling of how well Houston played to defend that one-goal lead after they go a man down, and then to even take a two-goal advantage in the 53rd minute in midway through that second half there. So Houston played so well, and Gary Smith, Nashville's manager, had some call him very choice words for his team after the game. I don't remember the exact quote, uh, but it was not good. Something like, our guys weren't ready for this. They weren't up for the challenge. They weren't ready for it. Now, if you're going to say guys aren't ready or prepared, usually that falls on coaching and management, right? To get your team ready to play. However, if you watch this game, I think a lot of it was the individual play and that you can't control. So maybe Gary Smith has a point. Um, but at the same time, Nashville, with a disappointing result, a team who just moves to the Western Conference, wants to keep their run of good form over the last couple seasons going, their playoff streak going, losing to Houston, who is really trying to find their footing in the Western Conference, not the way to do it. Anyway, let's take a quick look at the stats here. Nashville actually had about 62% of the possession, but only two shots on goal. You can't score if you can't shoot on goal, right? Decent passing numbers from Nashville as well. Now let's get back down into, oops, seven yellow cards, including a red. There we go, MLS, is this what you want? Do you want your best players getting suspended midway through the season? Anyway, that's that's another rant for another time. I think I've covered it enough. Um, we can see some of the passing numbers here as well, about 85% Nashville, 75% Houston, so not terrible, but you can see how much it drops off when you get into the final third. 
Houston's passing numbers went down to 62%. Nashville, though, still right around 80% in the final third. Unfortunately, they couldn't turn that into any sort of goal, despite having 1.4 expected goals and Houston having 1.7 expected goals. So it's a solid win for Houston. I'm just curious as to how consistent Nashville's offense is going to be. They're going to be able to have guys like Sapon and, and Mukhtar uh, knocking in goals, but then they have a performance like this. So how consistent is their game going to be? As Brother BKL says, I'm surprised by Houston and Nashville. They had two shots on target with no back of the net with 12 shots. Plus Nashville, keep passing. If they don't shoot, that's a problem. Exactly. Can't score if you don't shoot. That's something I learned uh, AYSO. Yep, five, six years old. Can't score if you don't shoot. Dan Geringer says, sports plus booze plus attitude equals fights. Um, I mean, I think I got a little attitude. I'm definitely drinking booze and I'm talking sports. But thankfully, I, I'm not going to get into a fight with myself. At least I don't think so. We'll see how the night goes. Anyway, let's keep our recap going here, guys. We are about 36 plus minutes here. We got a bunch of games left to hit. So let's let's do it. We'll do a little bit of a lightning round. Here we go. Here we go. Salt Lake 2, Austin 1. Goals by Chang and Brody for Salt Lake. Goals by Ring for Austin. And another red card for Austin. Pereira gets a red in the 47th minute. And that looks like it leads to RSL's comeback as RSL gets those two second half goals. Possession 55-45 in favor of Austin. Uh Shooting numbers, passing numbers, okay for both teams. But let's really get down into it. Where is the expected goals? I would not expect them to be too high, given all the passing and given all the shots or lack thereof. Um, but RSL with a 2.1 XG and Austin with a 0.6. So about right on the expected goals model there. Now, for RSL, I've been asking at the last few games, where's Bobby Wood? I thought he was supposed to come back and not just be a Bundesliga bust-out, right? I thought he was going to come back and start banging him in for RSL, um, but I haven't seen it yet. I haven't seen it yet. And now Austin, after starting the season so hot, scoring all sorts of goals, they're not, a, I think, a two-game losing streak. So they're going to have to deal with some adversity. They've set themselves up nicely for this middle third of the season because they were on such a hot streak. But now they got to deal with a little bit of adversity and get some mental toughness going. Now let's see what you all's thoughts are on this game. Oh my gosh, let's let's take a look at this great quote here, Dan Geringer from Jim Carrey's character in Liar Liar. Can't you see I'm beating the crap out of myself? I think he maybe went something a little bit more like I'm kicking my ass, something like that, right? Um, but either way, the points across and and yeah, Jim Carrey playing a lawyer. I myself also a lawyer. With a drink in my hand. So there you go. Um, let's see. We got Talk NYCFC. Bobby Wood only got a contract here because he used to play for the USMNT. If he hadn't, he'd be stuck in Germany's third tier. Wow. Talk NYCFC spitting fire against Bobby Wood over there, man. He, uh, but you know what? You Are, are you wrong? I don't know. Because if Bobby Wood really was going to be this great striker who was out of contract looking to come back to the U.S., why would Salt Lake pick him up? Why wouldn't a bigger team with a better budget and maybe some managerial organization and ownership go after and pick him up? So maybe you're onto something there. Maybe you're onto something there. Dan, no worries about it, man. We get movie quotes wrong all the time. That's the fun of it. But I've been drinking too, so I could be wrong. 
Anyway, Zevo Genius, big ups. Great to see you, Zevo. Who do you point to in your little profile picture there? Is that a Chelsea jersey? Is that a Chelsea jersey? Let us know. Who's your team, man? Who's your team in MLS? Um, if that is Chelsea, uh, I, I'm not going to tell you that I'm an Everton fan. Oh, there I go. I just did. Uh, <laughs> but anyway, I'm glad the Greek Tamikas beat you guys. That's just the Greek in me. Zevo Genius, great to see you, man. Glad you're on the chat. Make sure that you like, subscribe, follow along on Twitter at SOP Soccer and at Wife Kids House. Chelsea, man, don't support MLS. That's all right. We love you anyway. Find a team in MLS, jump on, let us know what you like, or email us, sonsofapitchsoccer at gmail.com. Anything you want to know about MLS, we got you covered here. Now, we are going to keep our coverage rolling. This was the big one, man. Portland, Kansas City. Portland scores the touchdown, kicks the extra point, and just dominates Kansas City. Seven to two. Couldn't believe it. I I can't remember the last time I saw a team score seven goals. And I think there was a stat out there from OptiStats. They tweeted out, like, this was the, the most goals scored on the least amount of shots or something like that. That Portland scored seven goals on only... Eight shots on goal. Can you believe that? How efficient were their shots on goal? And only 11 total shots, and they still ended up finding the back of the net seven times. And who are the goal scorers, you ask? Tuiloma, Blanco with two, Fogasa, Fogasa, and Moreno and Loria. I think I got them all, right? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Yeah, and then Rankin gets the red card just because, you know, you can't have uh, can't have seven goals without a red card, right? Meanwhile, on Sporting Kansas City side, Johnny Russell gets one in the 57th. Um, Sionis gets one in the 75th. And Volader gets his red card in the 78th. So even more red cards here. Um, Got to point out, Sionis, pretty sure he's Greek. He's from Cyprus, so he's probably Greek Cypriot, uh, Greek culturally, Cyprus nationally. But anyway, just got to point it out. My guy. Anyway, Portland, Kansas City. Let's take a look at some of the numbers. Portland did it with only 41% possession, as well as only stringing together 368 passes with an 80% completion percentage, which is respectable, uh, you know, when you look at the, the run of games in the season. But when you look at Kansas City having over 500 passes at an 88% clip, Kansas City really controlled long stretches of this game, and Portland was just able to find every other way to score. Now, Rocky, does your eye test meet the statistics in this one? I mean, look at look at the shooting. Portland had all their shots inside the 18-yard box. They were getting in the most dangerous areas despite having very, very low passing completion percentage in the final third, only 65%. Look at these intervals, right? Portland only had a couple areas where they dominated the game and yet only had a 2.7 expected goals. That is insane. How Portland did this with such, I'll say, below average stats. I don't want to say bad stats because they ended up winning 7-2, to right? Like, it's incredible how they were able to do it. Now, last week, I said Portland's championship, Portland's trophy window, shut. They're done. They're, 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 the age finally caught up to them. They haven't been able to bring in a lot of young, big players, but... I don't know. Maybe they're going to make me eat in words. And Rocky says it was all for him on his birthday. Happy birthday, Rocky. Wishing you many, many more happy years filled with many, many more Timbers games. And he says they countered on all their attacks. And we know Gio Savarese, the manager for Portland, 
when things are starting to get shaky for the Portland Timbers, and you know, it often happens around this point, a third halfway through the season, they say, look, let's, let's reel it in. Let's focus on defense. Let's focus on shape and formation and being sound tactically and we'll counterattack. And then we'll unleash Fogasha, right? Whatever his name, Fogasa. Uh, we'll unleash Blanco down the wing. And it looks like they're getting it. And hopefully Fogasa can be that striker that they have been missing uh, since they released Ebobise, since uh, Chara has been playing more of a sub role. I'm sorry, not Chara. Um, gosh, I can't even think of his name now. It's like he's already, he's been gone forever. Um, Diego, Diego, um, that, that he's been able to launch himself into the attack. So maybe this is the offensive, um, maybe it's the offensive answer they're looking for. A couple other things. Talk NYCFC. Portland scoring seven on Kansas doesn't make New York City 0-0. Draw with them look good. No, it doesn't. But you know what? That's the one-off for New York City. This probably isn't the one-off for Kansas City, unfortunately. And hey, it's Evo Genius. I cheer for anyone. But I like TFC in 2020. I knew the whole team and watched them while MLS was playing. That's awesome. Our founder of the channel here, Mike, is a huge TFC fan. He's got their tattoo. He's from the Toronto area. And Zevo, you're from Australia, not even American. All right, that's fine, man. I got tons of family down in Sydney, so there was a little bit of time I actually followed the A-League a little bit. I've got my Sydney FC cap and jersey upstairs in my closet right now. So that's fantastic, man. Glad you are here and that you found us. Anyway, let's keep it rolling. We got a couple more games, and we're I don't want to keep you here all night, folks. My kids are waiting for some late-night bedtime stories. I got to get to them, too. This was another surprising result. Not as surprising as a touchdown for the Timbers, but a 3-1 Dallas victory at LA Galaxy. Douglas Costa gets the one for LA in the 67th, but that comes after Ferreira, Ariola, and Ferreira again score in the first half in the 11th, 20th, and 23rd minutes to put Dallas up 3-0, and LA just cannot find their offensive footing. I think last week they won 1-0 over Austin, so they are not finding their offense. And as we know, if the Galaxy aren't scoring goals, they're not winning games. I mean, that sounds pretty obvious, but they, they're not going to be getting those 1-1 draws. They're not going to be getting those 0-0 draws. They're going to give up one or two. And in this case, they gave up three big ones in the first half, despite showing 60% possession on the game, putting together stellar passing numbers, and only, you know, five yellow cards for the game. I guess that's going to be average now for the MLS right? Looking at their passing numbers here, phenomenal passing numbers as far as completion percentages, 20% crossing percentages. So let's go back and check out these crosses. Are they whipping them in? Were they going after Chicharito? Were they going after some of the other goal scorers? 21 crosses. So that means 20%. What's that? Four, right? Mike, you're, you're the money man. You're the accountant. You're the numbers guy. I think that's about four crosses then that were able to, for them to connect on. And yet... Only one goal of it, right? 1.5 expected goals for them, 2.7 for Dallas. Now, what I wanted to take a look at here, and I didn't check this out before, so this is all new to me. Uh, what is Chicharito up to? Is he even playing every game? I haven't been able to watch the Galaxy as much as I've wanted to. Uh, I haven't been able to watch any soccer as much as I've wanted to, right? I'd love to watch every game every weekend. But has Chicharito been getting enough minutes? So again, here he is. He starts up top, and in the final lineup, he finishes up top. 
So was he getting the service? Is he getting those balls played into him? That, it doesn't look like it. He definitely needs to get some more service. All right, we got a lot of great chat going on in uh, in the chat and in the comment section. As Dan says, surprising loss for the Galaxy. Yep, I'm surprised. I mean, Dallas is playing hot. They're playing well. Ferreira towards the top of the golden to uh, top of the golden boot race here. Um, he's banging them in, but I think he's scoring in bunches. Right, he had a hat trick, then a couple games with no goal. Now he scores a brace. So we'll see if Ferreira can keep keep consistently scoring, and if he does then I'm sure Dallas will consistently be winning. Now, a little A-League talk here, right? This is crazy. We're international. We're talking Australian League as well. NYCFC and Melbourne are sister clubs, thanks to City Football Group. Thanks for the reminder. Talk NYCFC. And, yeah, they've got that beautiful light blue color as well, like everyone. As uh, Zivo says, uh, I don't support the A-League. Um, A-League is but, to be put it. Cellini to MLS. Fantastic. I love to see it. And as Talk NYCFC says, Ferreira, fellow Colombian, gotta love him, man. And it's so funny. I actually just ran into a friend of mine, haven't talked to the guy in a decade. I said, Nick, what are you up to? His name, also Nick, we're Greek, right? It happens. I said, Nick, what are you up to? He's like, oh, I've been living in Colombia for the last eight years, running a travel business. So Colombia has been in my weekend. There you go. Absolutely. Um, all right, guys, let's get into the last couple games of the week here. Uh, the Sunday games, Atlanta, New England, 2-2, two to two, down in the bends and hot Atlanta. I got to stop saying hot Atlanta. I don't think I can pull it off. I think I'm too white. I think I'm too Midwestern. And every time I say it, I just kind of, it just doesn't sound right coming out of my mouth. Anyway, Atlanta with a solid 2-2 draw against the New England Revolution. You get an early goal from Almada in the 15th minute. Great goal. These were pretty much all highlight goals. Go find these four goals replays on MLSsoccer.com and watch them. Uh, and after Almada's goal, Buxa gets the equalizer in the 30th, puts them ahead in the 55th, and then Luis Araujo, 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 I don't know how to pronounce it, right? I've heard it every different way. Anyway, we'll figure it out. Luis Araujo gets the equalizer in the 63rd for Atlanta. And again, all bangers. Well, not all bangers, but all good goals. Buxa especially. First, he megs. I gotta look at I gotta look at the keeper's name again because I forgot who's filling in for Guzan. Shuttleworth. That's right. Bobby Shuttleworth keeping for Atlanta. He megs him on the first goal and then goes top shelf on the second goal. And it was inch perfect from not being offsides. But then you gotta look out Araju with the with the final touch, the one touch finish after a beautiful combination play. It was excellent. Guys, it really was also nice to see Matt Turner back in form, despite giving up these two goals. It was nice to see him back in form. There was an 11th minute, just beautifully taken free kick from Almada, and Turner somehow reacts so quickly, dives to the right. I think his right hand even goes behind his body to palm that ball out. Great save by Turner. Excellent to see him back. Hopefully he can continue to pick it up. Now, we're going to do a quick look at the stats here. About a 56% possession for Atlanta. Handful of shots on goal for either team. Both team with decent passing numbers, uh, which actually says a lot considering they uh, they had a 2-2 draw on this one. And we're going to see, look at these shots. Look at all those shots that Atlanta just peppered in. How many shots is that? That is 
26 shots. Man, Turner was hopping. There's no doubt about it. Now, looking at the expected goals for either team, Atlanta with 2.3, New England with 1.4. So, eh, expected goal model about right on that one. We're going to get into our last match now. Seattle regains their form with a 3-1 victory over Minnesota. Rui Diaz gets a PK. Roldan and Ladero also add goals all in the second half. Um, responding to Robin Lud's goal in the 34th minute that gave Minnesota the one nothing halftime lead. Now, Adrian Heath also calling out his team this week, a bit of a theme. And if you listen to Extra Time, the MLS's podcast, they kind of go into the coaching tirades a little bit. Worth the listen, definitely. But Seattle has 58% possession. They're stringing together passes. It's fantastic numbers from Seattle. And I really want to go take a look at their expected goal model because look at where all these shots are coming from, all inside the box here. So they are creating high-quality chances, 72% passing in the final third, 2.7 expected goals, and they just exceed that. So we have a Seattle team who's regained a little bit of form, especially after that U.S. Open Cup loss to San Jose in, in penalties, I believe. Or did San Jose come back? Anyway, it's been a long week and weekend, and there's been a lot of U.S. Open Cup games. But Seattle gets back in the groove. Now, are they going to sustain it? Are they going to get back into that championship form? I really don't think so. We've seen it with all of the other uh, CONCACAF Champions League teams, with Montreal, with New York, with New England. They, they've been... It took them a few matches to get back into form. But Seattle, especially with the U.S. Open Cup midweek, I would expect to see some more rotations in the squad. Let's take a look at their lineups. And I would expect them to, you know, not, not go on a tear of like four or five straight wins, right? But anyway, let's take a look, see at what is the Seattle lineup, right? Um, in the meantime, we got some trivia coming in from Talk NYCFC. Minnesota's 0-7 when playing against Seattle at Lumen Field. And you are absolutely right, man. Like, they can't win in Seattle. And I don't even think their record against them is that good in Minnesota. But that's just a hunch. I'll have to take a look at it. And uh, he also says San Jose beat Seattle 10-9 on penalties. That does sound right, because I'm pretty sure the goalkeepers even had to take a penalty at that point. Um, Brother BKL, going back to our Atlanta game, finding the equalizer in the 63rd. They needed those three points. Yes, they did. Yes, they did. Now, let's see if we can get that lineup to load on the MLS website side of things. Yeah, so we have a pretty strong lineup from Seattle. And you got Rui Diaz, Morris, Ladero, Roldan, Var Vargas, Rusnak, Nuhu, Ariaga, Yaimar, Roldan, and Fry. That's their starting 11. So they, they were not rotating. They seemed ready to go. They seemed fresh. You had Atencio, Bruin, Rowe on the bench as well as Sissoko and Montero if they needed them. And if you look at the finals, you did see Atencio and Rowe get into the game. So this is Smetzer uh, definitely managing his team, not so much from their legs and minutes, but definitely managing their, their winning attitude, getting that strong lineup out and allowing them to take three points from a team who they traditionally do very, very well against. 7-0 at home, very, very well against, for sure. So I'm going to check your comments. Let's get caught up on what you all are saying in the chat. And uh, Brother BKL, exactly. Seattle Sounders have been winning CCL. and You never know how they come back without getting tired. Um, he says they won't make it to the playoffs. That's, that's big talk considering Seattle has never missed the playoffs. And now let's take a look at the standings. Let's start out west, and we'll see what Seattle 
has to climb as far as a points hill here, right? So the top four teams in the West, LAFC, Dallas, Austin, and LA, 23 points down to 19 points. So tight at the top. Then rounding out the playoffs, Salt Lake, Houston, and Colorado in the five, six, and seven spots. Now LAFC's got 23 points. Seventh place, Colorado is at 15. Also on 15 points, eight and ninth place, Nashville and Portland. The difference there being the goal differential, right? So um, that is what is separating those teams. Also, Colorado and Nashville have an extra win on Portland. Seattle is in 11th place in the Western Conference right now with 10 points. Um, they have a minus two goal differential. So they are struggling to score in some of these league games, but we do know that they have been rotating teams. Now, Seattle, 10 points. LAFC, 23. Can they make that gap up in the last two-thirds of the season? Probably not with the talent of LAFC. And they may not even catch Dallas, Austin, or the Galaxy, depending if the Galaxy can't find their offense or not. But it does seem like Seattle can catch Colorado and Houston, who are only five points ahead of them. And, oh, by the way, Seattle's got two games in hand on those teams as well. They've only played nine. If you remember, they were given a bit of a schedule break due to that CONCACAF Champions League run. So Seattle is poised to jump into the playoffs. And like I said, I think Colorado's a fraud. I think Houston isn't going to be able to sustain it. And Salt Lake always plays above what their projections are. Um, so I don't know if they can keep up the current pace that they're on. So Seattle, they can jump Minnesota. And we'll see how they battle it out with Portland, Nashville, Colorado, and Houston for a playoff spot. But I would not bet on Seattle to miss the playoffs, considering they've made it every season they've been in MLS. Now let's look at the Eastern Conference here. And this, this is the surprise. And this gets back to the question of who's a dark horse. Montreal, the impact, CF Montreal, Club de Foot, whatever you want to call them. The Snowflakes, because of their logo, not because of their sensitivity, because of the logo. Uh, but Montreal is atop the East on 20 points. And they are tied with Orlando and Philly on 20 points. But they've got the edge in goal differential over Orlando. And they got an extra win than Philly. That is a huge surprise at the top. I tweeted out over the weekend, this is not the Eastern Conference that I remember. And yeah, Montreal, Orlando, Philly, and then Cincinnati in that fourth spot after that victory in Chicago with 19 points. Now the Red Bulls on 19 points, New York on 17, and Atlanta on 15 points. Those are your final playoff spots right now uh, in the 5, 6, and 7 spot. But it is still tight, right? We said only 10 points separates Chicago from Montreal, and if you look even between 4th and 10th, it's only 6 points between Cincinnati and Columbus. So no one in the Eastern Conference is out of it yet. I'm, I'm starting to think maybe Chicago and Miami might be, but I don't want to say it. I don't want to put that out there into the universe. So anyway, that is the look at the standings. Real quick, just to complete the coverage Here's your U.S. Open Cup and Canadian Championship MLS team quick roundup uh, from May 11th and 12th. Charlotte beats the Richmond Kickers 5-1. New England beats Cincinnati 5-1. New York City beats Rochester, New York 3-1. Nashville beats Atlanta 3-2. Maybe Nashville left all their offense in the U.S. Open Cup. Houston beats San Antonio 1-0. Seattle draws San Jose 2-2, loses in pens as we discussed. 
Vancouver 2-0 over Valor in the Canadian Championship. Uh, Vancouver, that's their first ever win against the Canadian Premier League team in, I think, three times was the trivia that I heard. So good for Vancouver, finally beating a CPL team. Um, and then the Galaxy beat Cal United 3-2. And the last game of the week, Minnesota 2-1 over Colorado. So Minnesota's got an interesting kind of question here. Do they really push? Because right now, look where they're sitting. They are sitting in 10th place, one point off the playoff line. Do they really push to try and make up some ground right now in the middle of the season? Or are they pushing for that U.S. Open Cup trophy? Minnesota's had some decent runs in years past, so we'll see if they can pick that up again. Now, with that being said, everyone, that is our league roundup. That is all of the talk that we've had. I want to thank everyone for joining. And we got Talk NYCFC saying, how the hell are we behind Cincy and the Dead Bulls? I like that. New York Dead Bulls. That's clever. That's clever. Anyway, I want to thank everyone for joining us. We've had a lot of people jump on. We've had a lot of guests from all around the world tonight. Mike, I want to thank you for letting me back here to do my thing, to talk soccer with all the SOPs, with all the friends we've made over the last five years of doing the show. Um, hey, guys, let us know in the comment section. Do you like the lives? Did you like the recorded comment and the moderated chat kind of feature where we could communicate there? Let me know what you think. You can find us on Twitter at SOP Soccer and at Wife Kids House. Make sure you find me on YouTube at Wife Children House, wife.children.house. Um, it's a Greek thing. Zorba the Greek, look it up. It's on my banner. You'll figure out the joke very soon. But anyway, final reminder, like, subscribe, share, Get that paid subscription for all the bonuses for SOP Soccer Central. Send over a super chat. I got one last week from Rocky, my guy. Thank you. Go check him out on Instagram at Talk in the Woods. Follow him for all your Timbers content. We'll see. Maybe they can kick a field goal next week, get a three-goal win. But for that, I'm going to raise my glass to you, to the fans, to our sponsors, to Skira Icelandic Spring Water. I wonder if that would make a good cocktail, a little, little vodka water or something like that. Um, anyway, thank you to John Donovan for doing our Chicago Fire recap and look ahead. Make sure you go find us on the podcast side of things. Take us wherever you go. Get that extra content. And again, fans, thank you all. It's been great talking. It's great to be back. I've been doing this now about a month again after taking a year off. It's been a lot of fun. So we appreciate you, our viewers and listeners. Enjoy the next match week.